Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. In Shakespeare's play Hamlet, the character Polonius counsels his son Laertes as he sets off to return to school in France. Polonius utters one of Shakespeare's most well-known phrases. To this above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day thou canst not then be false to any man. Polonius is reminding his son to be authentic. Authenticity has become something of a buzzword in our modern vocabulary. We are continually being told to be authentic. It is touted as a virtuous quality that we should strive to attain. To be authentic is to be honest, truthful, to wear one's heart on one's sleeve. We might describe someone authentic with the phrases, what you see is what you get, or they call a spade a spade. This sounds simple enough. But what does it really mean to be authentic? And can we even get there? Authenticity has its roots in philosophy, and many great thinkers have pondered just what it means. One definition says, To be authentic is to identify with, or claim ownership of, a narrative of origins, or a sense of original and unadulterated selfhood. What the heck is a narrative of origins? Well, let's think about it another way. We are all connected to nature in some instinctual, primal way. When we need a break from the hustle and bustle of life, we escape to nature, be it the beach or the hills. We get away from it all to a place of natural beauty. And what do we see in that landscape? Natural beauty is untouched, unblemished and unadulterated by human presence. We see the wild, unbound flourishing of nature of the earth and its flora and fauna as they live and grow together in harmony, just as God or Mother Nature intended. This world we desire is truly authentic. It is untamed, acting with complete freedom within the laws of nature. The weed shares the same soil as the flower. Trees grow where their seeds land, and birds build their nests in the most convenient of trees. Everything acts according to its own will. We call this natural beauty. Yet this world is not perfect. It is thorny and overgrown and does not conform. The winds may sweep one face clean, while another is covered with a patchwork of brush haphazard in its distribution. If we examine any single corner of a jungle, it is a tangled mess of vines and trees, all competing for sunlight and resources. Layers of detritus, waste, and confusion. In the details, beauty is not so obvious. In contrast, when we gaze upon a manicured garden, we see a different form of beauty. Every shrub, bush, flower, and tree is perfectly placed and trimmed. Not a weed is to be found, and every flower complements the next. Pathways, ponds, and bridges frame each section of the garden, and we marvel at its splendour. Yet this did not happen by accident, or according to nature's will. This beauty was created. There is essence in the manicured garden, not only existence. 
And while we look with wonder at this masterpiece, it is not authentic at all. It is contrived. It is artificial. It is a lie. So how do we reconcile this conflict between beauty and authenticity? To be true to one's narrative of origins, one's true self, implies that this is the source of beauty, of truth and of virtue. Yet when we create an impression of beauty, we realise that what we desire and see beauty in is also inauthentic, a paradox indeed. We can unpack this further by thinking about the difference between the natural landscape and the manicured garden, and the key term that I use to describe it, essence. A French philosopher prominent in the 20th century named Jean-Paul Sartre was very interested in the notion of authenticity. He argued that we all come into the world with no essence. This is an atheistic ontology or worldview which presupposes man has no innate purpose. The universe is completely ambivalent towards us. We arrive only with existence. It is up to us to shape our lives, to build our essence, our purpose, and to find the who that we become. In 2020, there are probably a lot of people who agree with this general idea. But it does complicate authenticity somewhat. If we start from point zero, with no essence, then what is it we are supposed to be authentic to? If we are to invent ourselves as we go, making ourselves up as we go along, then how can we be authentic? For that implies that being authentic is to be authentic to some predetermined self, a real self, a truthful version of ourselves which we may come and go from as we project our persona onto the world. But we invent the self in every interaction, every time we leave our home. The choices over what we wear, the conversations we have, and how we express ourselves. So who is anyone else to judge whether I'm being authentic in those moments, when I can't even tell myself? And I live in a world of changing contexts. I have a me at home, a me at work in my professional life, a me with my friends, a me online, and a me as I read this podcast. I can't be authentic in all contexts if I am changing myself to meet the needs and demands of each. Being authentic is therefore inextricably entwined with being inauthentic. We can't be one without the other. We've created something of a quandary here. Being authentic sounded pretty straightforward before, but now we don't even know who we are, let alone who we are supposed to be. Authenticity suddenly seems impossible to reconcile, irrelevant or obsolete in this metaphysical conception of reality. But fear not, for there is hope yet. We first have to accept that authenticity is not a fixed object, trait, or virtue that we strive to attain. In fact, it is a moving target, and it is both subjective and objective at the same time. Authenticity exists both in the eye of the beholder, it's you as you observe me, and in my own conception and perception of myself. When I turn my gaze inward, who do I see? Not what do I want to see? but who is really looking back at me. That authentic self requires honesty and the ability to set aside one's ego and a willingness to embrace pain, discomfort and embarrassment. For undoubtedly the me that you see is not the me that I see or that I even am. Finding authenticity is the process of closing the gap between the inner me and the outer me. It's the difference between the me of me and the me of you if you know what I mean. 
as has become apparent, we'll never truly get there. But nevertheless, we must keep trying. So let's go back to basics and simply ask the question, what does an authentic person look like? I open with a few descriptive terms. Honesty, being genuine, what you see is what you get. Authenticity as a virtue is this idea that literal face value is a true representation of a person. We don't fear that we're being lied to or being betrayed by an authentic person. We don't feel insulted that someone is not trusting us with the truth or that they have an ulterior motive. We also look for humility and empathy and a willingness to listen to feedback, even feedback which hurts. But authenticity doesn't only mean virtue. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could kick him, is a contrary phrase we might use to describe an inauthentic person. But we know something about that person. Just by not trusting them, we can see through them. So perhaps they are authentic after all. They just aren't as virtuous as we might normally consider authenticity to be. So making a value judgment about whether someone is authentic is more about honesty than what the honesty reveals. But someone who holds their cards close to their chest raises the spectre of uncertainty. We just don't know what we are dealing with. Or how about someone who behaves one way when they know they are being watched, and another in private? We run from inauthentic people. They really turn us off. But life is really so black and white. To be inauthentic is to be susceptible to biases, self-deception, and wishful thinking. And we are all guilty of that. We build around ourselves a psychological security blanket of beliefs about ourselves and others to keep from revealing to the world our fears and insecurities. We act as we think others want us to. We put on our rose-tinted glasses and act happy when we feel afraid. We are not cheaters and liars. We are just human, doing our best. Should we therefore rip our heart from our chest and attach it squarely to our sleeves? trailing blood behind us everywhere we go. No, we shouldn't. There exists a line, a social line, that defines how authentic we should be in any given context. How well we perceive that line is a lot about emotional intelligence. The emotionally sophisticated may gauge that balance precisely, knowing just how much to share with who and in what context. But the emotionally immature may share too much at the wrong time. Yes, vulnerability is a quality I shouldn't hide, but there are times when I must present strength. I don't need to reveal my inner self in every circumstance to be authentic. I need only not be dishonest and falsely represent myself. It is a dark and stormy night, and I would rather stay on the ground. But my job demands that I fly. My passengers expect that I am up to the task. Would it be appropriate for me to share my anxieties with them? No, they would not welcome my candour. I must instead show them that I am in control. But that is a part of myself that I have authored through many years of learning and exposure to situations just like this. I am being authentic in a professional context because I know that if I truly believe it is unsafe, then I will stay on the ground and my passengers will trust my judgement. A key concept in organisational behaviour is authentic leadership. The best leaders are authentic. The leader doesn't pretend they aren't human, or that they have all the answers, or that they're on a different level to their followers. 
The authentic leader is approachable and human. But a leader has to be a leader. Studies reveal that if a leader reveals too much vulnerability, followers will lose faith and trust and look elsewhere for guidance. Being purely authentic is not enough. The leader must know the boundaries and respect them. A new leader may have to reinvent themselves to become the person required of the position. This sounds dangerously like inauthenticity. But think of it. We are constantly inventing ourselves and reinventing ourselves. When a person receives a promotion, they now have the eyes of the team upon them. There is a change in the assumption of command, the natural power that falls upon the leader, at least out of respect for the social norms that define the structure. This comes easier for some than others. But for an introvert, they may feel terrified at having to engage with their subordinates, to stand up the front and present the plan. But the authentic leader has to carefully balance this inner self and rise to the new challenge. You can say, I'm out of my depth or a fish out of water, and the team will scoff and look at their feet. Or you can rise to the challenge, acknowledge that you cannot do this alone, but here is the direction we are going, and we'll get there as a team. We'll help each other. The leader in this instance must transcend their natural disposition in the context of the role and establish authenticity in the reflection of this contextual self. To adapt is not to lie, to change and to grow is a part of life. It's a necessity. Authenticity is therefore not about consistency, but that may not always be obvious or even correct. Timing is everything. TMI. Too much information. It can be hard to know how much to reveal of one's inner self, especially if one is craving connection. Personally, I hate small talk. I'm just not interested in beating about the bush. Life is short and I have deeper questions on my mind. But social norms limit me from going to level 10 with an acquaintance or a stranger. Nice to meet you. Tell me about your inner self. Just doesn't go over well. Equally, We all remember a time when someone seemed to cross that boundary. They didn't judge the norms of the situation and shared just a little too much. On the one hand, we should be flattered that the person revealed this aspect of themselves to us when they didn't know us that well. But if the timing is off, then we don't see authenticity. We just see someone trying too hard, someone who can't gauge what is appropriate for the situation. And we may even be distrustful in case they would reveal something personal about us in the wrong circumstance. We're kind of embarrassed for those people. It's not easy to get this right, though. Timing really is everything, and so is communication. Authenticity is something that is revealed as we communicate. It is expressed in the words we share, the way we share them, and when we share them. But we all do this differently, and the reality is, some are better communicators than others. How we express ourselves may define our authenticity. For instance, if I want to share something of myself, but I just can't get the words out properly, then I risk sending the wrong message. Some deep concept, notion or realisation that I can only just grasp in my own mind may prove utterly elusive as I attempt to articulate it, and I may fail to be authentic in the attempt. What's more, when I begin to express myself, I reveal myself. Thoughts I didn't know I had begin to define me. We've all felt this. We begin waxing lyrical, and the thoughts that were just disparate and ill-formed in our minds become solid, real, and complete. So how can I be authentic if I don't even know what I think until I start talking? 
This is the key. Assuming that I've got the timing right, letting myself be myself and accepting this active process of becoming me is authentic. It may even be the most pure form of authenticity, as I haven't had the time yet to influence and corrupt my thoughts with bias. Authenticity is therefore a post hoc concept that happens after the fact, and it is only present when we communicate from the heart without preconception. This may reveal vulnerability or honesty or spite or rage. But like I said, authenticity does not imply virtue. It is only to be honest to oneself, and you might be surprised by what you learn, and perhaps even ashamed. We are surrounded by inauthenticity. We have built empires and norms and values on things which aren't real. We always have. From ancient carvings, statues and paintings, to films, magazines and Instagram, we have ascribed value to an aesthetic which is contrived to fit our view of perfection or beauty. Like the manicured garden, it looks good, but it is not authentic. And we have created a society which places more value on inauthenticity than honesty. The world we desire is a proxy for reality. Instead of reveling in the beauty of the natural world, we celebrate our ability to manipulate the truth. Photoshop is the conduit to perfection beyond that which even nature can create. In this world of false truths and inauthenticity, we can only turn inward to find authenticity. We can find it in self-reflection and eventually in expression. If we look closely enough, as the Buddhist teachings go, we begin to discover the revelation that actually there is no self. The notion of a me and a you is a function of consciousness that lends itself to continuity, but really it is a construct of the mind. Beyond the identity shaped by pathways in the brain is only consciousness. Pure consciousness can only be authentic, for it is not corrupted by the presence of a self which has the freedom to make choices. Sartre felt that this freedom to create our essence, starting only from existence as consciousness, is in fact a burden. Man is condemned to be free, he said. We live anxious lives because we are overwhelmed with choices. We have to invent ourselves and to create for ourselves a purpose. To be authentic, then, is to take responsibility for this authoring process. It is to acknowledge this freedom to choose and to own the actions we take. Within the laws of nature, of society, we must face the facticity of life. We are free within certain constraints. Authenticity is how well we come to terms with that freedom. Despite all of the seeming complexity surrounding authenticity, one thing is simple. Authenticity can only come from within. It can only be found in you. Do not look to others to invent you. Do not mould your persona to what you think others want from you. Accept the freedom you have to be self-deterministic. Evolve with life with experience, and with time. Be truthful with yourself first, and adapt to live with virtue, dignity, and humility in every context, and authenticity will follow. Learn from your words. Listen. Reflect. And be mindful. And most importantly, be yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. 
Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes and be sure to give us a rating at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or at the email, email theherenow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.